Hello, welcome to Reframing Mindset Podcast. We are clear minded of the thoughts that are preventing clarity. Practice my speech, among other things. Episodes range from informative knowledge to funny stories about my experiences, and in the future, maybe include interviews. So subscribe and enjoy. Episodes drop every other day. Yeah, man, you're hearing me? Yeah, man. Cool. Welcome, James Bennett. You know, so before we get into it, let's just mention some things that Mr. Bennett is known for, you know. So he's an entrepreneur, a project manager, a published author, speaker, producer slash engineer, a businessman, and a fellow. So, welcome to the Free Mindset Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing rather excellent. It's good to be here. I've heard a lot about the works that you have been doing with, with many, many guests. And it's well appreciated to be on, on, on this podcast. All right. Good. You know. All right. So let's get into the interview. You know. Next question is, so we meet up at Compre, you know, so... But you know, you know say, before then we have primary school and things. So just before then, primary school days and um, be rather frank. Uh, I'm gonna start with what what made me try to primary, and it was simply because we had two choices in primary school. Um, it was either Herbert Morrison or Cornwall College, but I was not a, a fun going to a, a all boys school, so the decision was rather easy uh-huh. to choose Herbert Morrison. But my background it was really um, I moved from Mount Carey, that's in the Mount Pellet section of St. James. And I lived at Melbourne Avenue, which is basically the the com the the community directly before entering South Spring Road or South Spring. So you could really grew, grew up in South Spring. So that's the volatile area. Um so yeah. the background was really um growing up as a single right. child. And uh, and just figuring my way through life from that level of isolation. Wait, uh, you kind of shift out. Yeah, I mean, can you hear me? Yeah, man, I'm hearing. Yeah, we kind of shift out here from from a south place here to move to. Area from there, and so. Oh, I was. Yeah, I really grew up in, in South Spring. 
as I was living with my mother in an, in an extended family setting. However, I was mostly growing up with my mother. So it was really a single child because I'm the only child for my mother. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, you know, we ended up at Compre the same year. We were never in the same class, so ever. You know, okay, we were in seven. I was in seven M. And those times, you know, I was a nerd, just focusing, trying to make it out of Compre, you know. But um, you were more. <laughs> So you were more acclimated to the environment as you ended up joining the cadet, becoming head boy, etc. So tell us about your company experience, you know, from the freshman of grade seven to the veteran of grade thirty. You know, I don't remember much about company because most of the, the recollections of every man is really through stories I'm being told by my friends. But from what I can really remember, it was really just, as you said, adapting to the, the environment. I know that seven R was quite an experience because that, for me, it was really the transitional phase of moving the primary school setting to, to being in an environment of maturity. Um, I think what ex- accelerated my my experience at Herbert was um, entering into a relationship with a with a, a young lady at the time of a higher grade. Mm. So I think that experience really moved me to become somewhat more mature and also joining Cadet because, you know, Cadet is an institution of time management along with learning practical experiences so i would actually contribute the the quick the quick adaptation to the environment to to, to the cadet unit herbert marshall unit mm-hmm. and also i think the greatest turning point for me was in grade nine when when i actually somewhat failed i would classify it as a failure um, when i actually failed grade nine overall i think that was the turning point for me where it got me to a level of either feeling sorry for myself and mm-hmm. or actually using the, the learning experience of that failure into being a lot more settled in 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 the selection of of what i need to do in 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 high school and fortunately, I chose the latter, where uh, I learned from the experience. And uh, in the grade 10, I started the Journalism Society. In grade 9, I actually started um, a book club, which yeah. was most focused on reading. I think it was a 9R exclusive because I believe in, in grade 9, there was a big beef between 9R and 9H. So it was really a 9R exclusive where members from 9H could not join that club. But that was out of pettiness. But that club actually um, transformed the ingredient into a journalism society. So I believe IGS became the, the second biggest second biggest club within the school. 
at the point of grade 13. But yeah. in grade 10, myself and Chevron, I believe Yolanda was also um, actively involved in developing the club. Kenil Beckford was also an um, and uh, a few mm -hmm. other persons. Mm -hmm. Tony Shea Radline was also an active member of it as well. And we started it with Mr. I believe it was Mr. Green. Mr. Green was the staff advisor. Yeah. And um, the, I don't remember, I think her name is Mrs. Chambers. She's the, she was the first advisor. She was the librarian. Yeah, yeah man, she was the first staff advisor. Then we moved in more, we moved from just journalism into more of technological aspect of journalism, which was video, videography, um, photojournalism, and actually written. So yeah. that club was the mon the project management aspect of my career really started from that from that um, experience. So we moved the club from just being six members. It moved from six, I believe, the record that we had about eight, we're about members joining up by green. So it was really it was really quite an experience. Um, notable things that we did within the school was covering various events, um, taking I think we have over a thousand photographs um, within the twin between twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen. And that's currently still on the IGS page on Facebook. Um, we started a website, we did website development, but then um, actually secured uh, a room on the grade 11 block, which was called dubbed the um, audiovisual room, I think. Right now, it's still there, but it's being used for laser printing by the school. The last yeah. time I saw it. What I did you want Yes, downstairs, downstairs. Yeah, downstairs. So I think in the Information and Journalism Society, we, we did a lot um, during our time. I don't know the current status of the club. I think there was... Um, as the the previous deputy mayor, which is Tejana Taylor, from Herbert Monson, he was trying to uh, reinstitute the club during his tenure, but I'm not sure what was the status of that. But he was highly interested in the club as well. So that was a little story up from the IGS as it relates to cadet. Yeah. But then with the cadet, um, cadet unit, I believe I spent seven years in cadet. Um, the last three years was me fully managing the cadet unit. Um, when I took over the cadet unit, I believe we had about six members that was left in the unit. 
and uh, I just adapted a lot uh, more of a practical approach instead of theory because we were well during my tenure we were well known for theoretical training um, and we moved more into practicality we moved and ensure that the Bogue Cemetery was our playground back in those times. So we really tried to move to practical training, adapting um, a lot of unconventional routes with drills, field craft, map reading, and partner with our, our officers to really make the experience a lot more lively. And ended up growing the unit to about um, 28 members before I was promoted. Promoted. Um, notable awards from my cadet experience was um, I was first in the leadership in the final the final assessment, which is we have star star star. Um, promotion so to get in credit to get a promotion you must pass an invigilated exam so we have star one star two star three star four star four is the last last one yeah. um that's held at kingston and i was i thought so um i was i taught the leadership course and i was also the first Cadet at Herbert Morrison to achieve the rank of staff sergeant. So that that for me that was history. That was the foundation and the legacy that I had to leave to the previous generations. Um, no, not to the previous, but to the generation that I was mentoring. Yeah. From that, two of the youth. The cadets, they are now actively in the um, the army. One of the cadets, he became the deputy mayor. Another cadet is big, is also a part of an amazing team that um, that is doing music production as well. Uh-huh. Um, one of the um what do you call it i um they have a office by flankers oh, he's a government worker yeah he's a government worker so uh-huh. that was the the biggest achievement for me per se during yeah. school which was ensuring that the people that i was inspiring they they excelled as much as they did. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so, so many, many of us, you know, went to college at the next move after Herbert Marcel, but you weren't one of the persons that decided to make that move. Just tell us about why didn't you choose to go to university slash college? I think it was because of the experiences I had at Herbert Mars. Um, reason being, I realized my strengths were more along the lines of practical, practical um, effort as opposed to theoretical effort. And if I did go to 
if I did go to university, I would be studying management and entrepreneurship if I took that route um, at the time because I'm actually thinking about doing it now, but I'm thinking about doing it part-time. But the reason, the main reason, the main thought process behind that was the experiences being the head boy, um, project management with all the different organizations. I realized that the practical efforts accelerated uh, the, the level of gains that we get in any experience. Knowing that I would actually be do, doing full-time entrepreneurship because I realized that I didn't like being a follower per se. Um, I did not want to waste time learning about something that I was experiencing. And I did not want to set up myself to be a part of the complete workforce within Jamaica because when when you really listen to the stories, um, I think the returns and the, the opportunity cost is not really sub knowing that yeah because knowing that you can actually from way back as someone in full time but entrepreneurship or something like that. Yeah, I was saying that I'm going, I was going to do full-time entrepreneurship. I did not really want to waste the time spending four, three to four years in university um, studying to be integrated within the workforce. I mean, for persons who did it, um, I hope they're really seeing all the benefits. For me, I'm not. I don't really see where I'm really losing old Percy because the the biggest currency in in winning for me right for me and throughout my experience the biggest currency is actually a network and your network within within Jamaica because the, the other day I was looking at a, a triangular chart. And it was a meme, but it spoke wonders and it was really true. The biggest avenue to success in Jamaica is links. And what we call links is what the business world call a network, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And when you're working a nine to five, you're not going to meet the right people. Um, to really supplement that link, your, your network per se, because they're not working nine to fives and they're making the moves that are needed to push the economy forward. People who, their, their, their network as well as their influence is so powerful that <laughs> honestly if you're working at nine to five you would not have the opportunity to actually meet these people right so i think i had that insight 
um, at the point of grade, grade 10, where I knew that I would not really be looking towards jumping into university immediately after. The, re- the reason why I even did um, grade 11, grade 12 and 13 was actually to buy time to see if I could come up with a business idea to actually move beyond university. It was really to buy time to create an excuse not to go to university at that time. So that was my thought process then. I think everything that I benefited from um, going into grade 12 and 13 was due to that decision. Right. So um, right now you're an entrepreneur, project manager, published author, speaker, producer slash engineer and businessman. So tell us about what led you to eat into each of those ventures and how we're starting those ventures and we are those you know, ventures now. Alright. Um wanna speak about NetJA Turbit Records. We sold it for you and some of the projects that I'm managing now. Um all right, so what really, a lot a lot of the things that really led me to the business choices that I made were things that I, were, that I was always doing. Um, I was always starting businesses, even throughout high school. My first business was really at the age of eight, um, during the Christmas period, where I realized that there was a shortage in, in, in scripts, firecrackers. My community. So I think my mother gave me about $500 that time. And I took taxi one evening without her permission. I went in the town, went to the shoe market, and I bought about six packs of scripts. Came home, write up a little cardboard, and tell my uncle to tell his friends that I'm selling scripts and from there it just started. I think that $500 ended up turning to um, and then it moved to 1500 So I was really, that rush or that passion really sparked from there. And I think between that time to age 22, I started about about 15 to 20 experimental businesses. One of, one of the biggest businesses I started was actually in grade 11, 12, where I did some Mother's Day plaques. And um, I was saving up some money. Then I saved up about 20000 I was in a partner with my mother. And that 20000 I invested and made about a hundred to 150000 during the month and yeah. that's where the poetry the poetry passion started in grade eight so what you can realize the pattern is that all the businesses that i'm doing now all the investments that i'm doing now are really rooted in things that i was doing as a child because i realized that i was good at them i started music in grade nine 
and it established into a recording studio now. So, yeah. with NetTGA, NetTGA is the representation of compounded knowledge over the years of of um, doing businesses, starting businesses, excelling in um, the studies of management, reading a lot of, in a books, a lot of management books, experimenting, and that's just the the wisdom, the compilation of all those wisdom being offered back to aspiring entrepreneurs, um, to already established entrepreneurs of for, for, for really moving their businesses and scaling it from the point that they are they they are at now into something that they want to be. So it's really just fueling that vision or propelling them along the line of their vision or vision statement established for their for their businesses. So um NetTGA currently have about eight on book um long term clients that we're working with now. And it's really at a point where we don't really have much room for heavy marketing because we might not have the bandwidth to supplement new clients at the moment. Right? Um, yeah. My business partner with NetTG is actually Chevron Linton, which is also alumni of Herbert Morrison. Yeah. And uh, Turbid Records is really just that passion for music over the course of um, from when I was a child because my father was really a drummer at his church. So yeah. it's just that passion. I jumped into it in grade nine established it, learned the trade through experimenting until I'm at this point. We currently have about um, currently have about six six um, artists working with now. I'm managing one at the moment but we're currently in talks to see if we can try to do some more experiments, learn a lot more, and see if we can actually establish, establish the, or move to the next level of the game. Because what I've realized with music, music is honestly 20% talent and it's 80% business. So it's along the line of the mission. And yeah. with We Sold It For You. Important part of it. No, my sir. With the music, the business aspect is one of the is one of the features where the business aspect is really important. You know, because I make a lot of artists now make money where they need to make. You know, where they deserve to make. I should say that business aspect. Yeah, man. It's really, it's really the truth. Where music is much more of a business than actually the 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 product. You know, because when you look at it, um. If the business aspect of music was not there, an artist would only be getting paid for the shows that he that he did. But music music actually excelled it from just being a recording to actually distributing it across the world 
um, ensuring that everything is licensed so you can make your royalties, you can get bookings for show, shows, you can actually make your sales profit from it. You can actually yeah. get different forms of sales from digital sales to disc to CD to vinyl to every aspect of it. So that is re the reason why music is really more about business and marketing than actually talent because you have a lot of untalented artists that are actually long-term in the game yeah. because they have a management team and a, a good tip for young and upcoming artists is, is really don't be a one-man team because if you're, you're a one-man team you will not you're, you'll not be focusing on what you should be focusing on, which is really recording them, putting on a good show, while you have a, your team working on the business aspect of it so that you guys can actually grow, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that is where a lot of them are feeling, where they're doing the recording, they're trying to market themselves, and the business side of the music is a lot more frustrating than the performance side, right? Yeah. So once those two are once those two sides are clashing and you're the you'll have an internal struggle and then you have a lot of artists just giving up on the game yeah. because of that level of frustration. And the business side is one of the reasons why many bands break up to you know because you know. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely true because um, back, back in the days when I was listening to a rock band called Escape the Fate, it was really because of the business side. And even Breaking Benjamin back then, the business side is really what um, broke up because the lead singer was afraid of heights, so he did not want to travel. So that's that actually forced the band to go on a hiatus and I think they're they started started back in twenty they started singing again in back in twenty eighteen. So it's it's really, really complicated. I think um with even Drake Drake is a good example of business and artistry being perfectly synergized because if you and listen marketing. to Drake and marketing and who and marketing and marketing and mark yes definitely because yeah. if you listen to Drake while he's delivering his bars you realize that he's definitely he, he sings about his team it's about the the um He sings about the the importance of having that team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I think speaking about, I'm gonna speak about we sold it for you and being an author. So we sold it for you. It was really a business idea provided by my ex girlfriend. Um, but I was always marketing other products for other people. And she was saying that, listen, 
you're selling so much things for different people. I think you should actually start charging a fee for it. So I said, fine. And then I established, we sold it for you. And I think within the space of, I think within the space of about six months, six months to eight months, we sold about three million yeah, about three million dollars worth of. So we sold between cars, furnitures, um, appliances. Sold a lot of things, a lot of things for different different um, individuals, and uh, it will, it's really profitable. Um, no, we're just really thinking about um doing a little bit of rebranding for the company and doing adjusting the direction of the company. And then I think you guys, if you follow that our pages on um, IG, you'll see those changes coming soon. Um, being an entrepreneur, as I said, the passion came way back from grade eight and it, it was just to make the decision to reach out to some publishers and creating that that residual income and, and royalty stream through the publication of some books. So uh, I wrote a book with Akil, um, you know Akil McIntyre? Yeah. Yeah, man. So with Akil, uh, two, two of us were really at a library and I decided to write a book while we were there having a discussion. I wrote the book over the weekend, um, did a compilation of some other points within that book. And the book was there. I did some printing of those books and um, let, let my mother sell them for me. So that is where the $23,000 came from to, for the Mother's Day project, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was invested and it turned into the one hundred and fifty thousand. So I did... Did I wrote the book over the weekend, sold it, um, and then the idea came to me about a year ago or two years ago to really just get the book published through a publisher, and that book was then. Um, need to do a little bit more work on it, so. We can actually just try to move more numbers. Currently writing a next book. Now I should be finished with the draft by the end of this month. And I'm looking to publish that as well. The book is really about the business aspect of things. So it's just sharing some knowledge about starting a business, having the right mindset for business negotiation and those and those type of things. So I think that would that book is going to be a good book for for um persons interested in businesses. And yeah. the, the other idea that I have for a book is really just how to do money management and how to even build a house on minimum wage. So doing some research for that book right now. 
I think that would actually be a good book to actually. Um, so, to be evil. Mm -hmm. you know, I was speaking a speaker, you know, or did that end up doing that? Being a speaker, um, I think the passion really came from becoming a head boy. I was not really a good speaker, and uh, I was I'm very introverted, so a lot of people would not know that that level of intro being. Being an introvert, actually, it really cripples your, your speaking skills. Mm. Um, so that when I was when I was doing the 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 speech, the acceptance speech for when I was a head boy, I was actually very disappointed in the delivery, and I think that led me to actually seeking out avenues to become a better speaker. I think I went to Mrs. Miss Reed to actually um, help me develop my speaking skills. Yeah. I didn't think that went far. I tried joining the debating club, but the debating club at that time was very, it was a mess. So that wasn't a good avenue. And I moved from those channels to actually just using Cadet. Yeah. And you have a aspect of Cadet in the leadership section called Method of Instructions. So our MOI, MFI, I think so. Yeah, MFI. Yeah, MFI. So I use those avenues to really increase my, my speech delivery. And I think that's a consistent project in my life. So um, what I did was when I went to, I decided to work at Vistaprint um, and I did, and signed up for customer service. So speaking English over that long period of time, which is three years, mm -hmm. that allowed me to actually become better at speaking. So you can realize that each at each point in my life when I'm doing something, I try to ensure that it is leading towards something better. So the reason for getting the customer service job was to ensure that my speech delivery was perfected or to a point of satisfaction. Yeah. Right? So that was the inspiration behind getting a getting the job at Vista Print. And uh, that led to becoming a speaker for the, the Antonia's Foundation, which was really towards assisting children in the inner city communities of Barnet Lane and neighboring communities. And also they had a campaign called the Enbullying Campaign, which was actually um, another avenue of speaking to children in high school, in primary school about the detriments of bullying each other, how it can psychologically affect the victim, what are the implications of um, bullying, bullying another child and what it can lead to 
um, when that child is a victim of abuse, um, which could be inciting violence over a long period of time, um, or becoming many, they can become menace to societies if they're victims of bullying, and even the channels from which comes from, which can be more the family, the family unit. So this was really just speaking about those things. Um, I think speaking also bridges into Netity GA when we're actually doing doing um, leadership courses and leadership classes for young entrepreneurs. So that's a skill that I must have when dealing with my clients. Uh, all right, so what what is the process to start a business in Jamaica? What are some things you have to think about before and after you have the answer for those things? What's next? Um, all right, so one of the things, because I look at businesses differently, um, the first thing when asked that question that I usually ask my clients is, what, what are your intentions of starting a business? Um, because what I usually coach my clients towards is really um, longevity. You think of business in the long term and not really. Because I, when I think business, I think longevity. When I think hustle, I think flipping cash. So, um, Using that definition, um, the thing that you must think about is one, the market, your niche, and three, is this something that you are not going to be drained by emotionally? You do have those answers. You would then try to develop a business model canvas, a business plan, and then get started you can actually get started then just get started to feel out the market um do your marketing analysis do you um get the reception um the your your procurement of trying to get the goods if you're going to be selling physical goods versus if you're going to be selling services and do some what, what you call beta testing in, in tech, you can do your beta testing in your business as well by actually testing your service, getting the reception of your clients, and then um, go full force with your business plan as your map. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'm going to be selling so everybody is selling so so it's really just analyze the market um you realize that soap is a saturated market how are you going to distinguish yourself um maybe you're you will be getting your ingredients from um a country that's known for beautiful skin so for example india where uh, natural spices so what they can do is you can say, all right, listen, 
my products are different from the others because we're sourcing our raw materials from India, right? Then you can say, all right, India, this is the reason why you should use our products. Indians are known for having smooth skin, especially the females in certain strata. So do that market testing, see if persons are receptive to it, and then you actually get started. Then what you do know is you start building out your business plan, say that, listen, I'm going to get my soaps manufactured in bulk so I can actually start importing them so I can do less manufacturing here and focus mostly on marketing. So that's the that's what your business plan does. It forces you to start thinking about scaling as opposed to just doing the hustle. Uh, All right? And yes. be successful. So what I always advise my clients to do is do some level of experimenting, then register your business, and then so you can actually get the benefits of taxes and, you know, get all the regular benefits within the economy of housing, um, doing your duty as a taxpayer, etc. Uh, all right, so what is the process of writing and publishing a book? Writing and publishing a book, um, the hardest part of writing and publishing a book is really the writing aspect of the book. Um, there are some of publishing a book. Um, you have publication with Amazon and you have the other avenue of which that traditional publication whereby you use a publisher to actually publish a book. I went the traditional route, so it was really just submitting my draft of the book and having the publisher review it, have the discussions about the terms of the publication, signing a few contracts, and then just waiting on the email that your book is published. So um, it's not really a complicated process. As I said, the hardest part is just writing the book because it's the level of discipline um, that you will have to undertake to write a book. I think in a world where we're filled with distractions, it's not going to be really easy. But um, once you are past that aspect, once you start despising your distractions and you're past that um, aspect of being easily distracted, and you write the book, you can just easily publish it afterwards. Yeah, man. Okay. So, you know, um, I guess you mentioned this before, but we can just address it again. So, you're you are a speaker, and it says you're a speaker and things. So, you can just mention some of the places that you have speak on and what you have speak on so far, you know, again. For um, all right, so the first, I've spoken at several functions for um, Lee Antonio's foundation. Um, I did, I did really like a, a, a synopsis of what the organization was doing um, at the Hanover Charities um, ceremony. I don't remember if it was 2020 or 2019. 
And um, I've done, as a, as the head boy of Herbert Morrison, I've done several um, functions to curve the behavioral habits of um, of some of the youths that we were focusing on the grade nine youths at that point. And uh, I think Arbor Stewart, yeah, Arbor was actually invited at that function as well. Um, so what we were really speaking on was the the um, we're really speaking about the benefits of actually just easing down on, on destructive behaviors within the school environment and channeling that energy into more productive uh, productive avenues. So that was one of the speeches that I did. Um, I spoke at, I think it was about two to three schools um, for the End Bullying Global Campaign. Um, as, I, as I said, I really just touched on the the statistics of um, the effects of bullying, um, touched on the touched on the the yeah, touched on the statistics and the effects and the channels from which they, they come from. And when I initially launched NetJA, I believe it was in January. 2020, we did a um, so I did a speech there as well, and you know, every every now and then I actually do many speeches within you know community functions and those those type of things. All right. So, what is Asina's internet all on? Um, Asina's Insulated Prolong was really a book that was really, um, it's Christian, what was it, Christian, Christian centric, where it was really just, um, a book inspired by the Ten Commandments and how it contrasts with, with the, what we would say, the, the sweetness of living life um, in a destructive way where it, the, the, it, it really looked at um, the Ten Commandments, the limiters of life if you're, if you're a sinner, and it really opposes those Ten Commandments. Um, but at the end, well, in the middle of the book, you realize that living in a destructive way over the long term diminishes your spiritual vibration and it really supplements the need for peace. So what the book really does, it really takes you through that timeline of living at a destructive, living in a re rebellious and destructive destructive way and really finding that level of enlightenment enlightenment to finding that peace and you can see a lot of examples of that in society where you have gangsters or you have prostitutes 
moving from that level of rebellious, reckless, and relentless way of life into becoming a Christian. So that is really a good um, contrast of what the book is all about. So, the first one is you have to kind of mention it before, but you know, Janda's that specific question. So, what exactly Metiti is, why you named it for Um, all right, so Netiti JA, why I named it Netiti JA, uh, from the, the words networking and integrity. So, um, Putting those two words together created netity. And so it means networking with integrity. Yeah. Right? So that's what really inspired the name. And um, network, netity JA really is just a, com- a business administrative company that deals with scaling and all the components of scaling which leadership administrative strategic planning um, branding and marketing so really just touch on those components perfect to get them to the um, level of desire for you. Yeah. How has that business that business going so far? Sorry? How's that business going so far? And then I can mention some hiccups to getting it to where it is now. Um the business is actually going good. Um we really have enough um clients right now to keep us busy. So it's really just pushing, as as I said, it's really just to build out more the team, um, to expand the level of bandwidth that we have to actually build out, build out um, a bigger, bigger facility. So, um, what we're planning to do is we're going to actually switch directions. Same with the we sold it for you. Um, switch yeah. directions just a little bit to ensure that we have enough streams of income um, or enough passive streams of income to actually build out the, the capacity. So what we're looking to do is invest in low effort, low effort um, products um, that still benefits our clients to the highest degree and still gets us um, some level of profitability from that. So that's that's what we're planning to do. But um, it's going really good. I have no complaints about Netity J. Hello. Yeah, repeat that for me one again, please.
Jamen, gå ahead. Um, we sold it for you. It actually took a um the productivity within we sold it for you or um the conversion rate for sales has slowed mm-hmm. um slowed down because of the I think the pandemic pandemic has really crippled the buying power of Jamaicans where they're not really spending too much on on goods that are let's say not necessities so the the, the usually the products that we sold it for you converts are liquidated for the clients um, those aren't those aren't goods that are needed so you have a lot of those products actually slowing down. So that is the reason. That's what really prompted the decision to actually. Um... All right. All right. Yeah, I hear mm-hmm. me now. All right. So, yeah. been going on recently. Um, yeah, also, as I was really saying about we sold it for you, um, I think the coronavirus pandemic has really um, crippled the buying power of a lot of Jamaicans. So what's really happening is the types of products that are being sold um, that we sold it for you usually gets the liquidate. Um, it's not really the ideal purchasing um time for really purchasing at the moment so when you sold it for you has um slowed down a bit but we're still actually working on either switching changing the direction of the business just a slight bit um to create more streams of income for, for that business um so we can actually um really get back in the game with that company so Otherwise, from that, it's going good. Yeah. So, oh, so you know, what is Turbid Records and how has that been going as well? Well, Turbid Records is doing excellent. Um, we really started back production last year. Yes. Um, for, for Turbid Records, and it's really good. Um, we have, as I said, we have about six artists on books are really putting in the work for Terrible Records. It's really just taking a different um, approach with music and just enjoying the process as we go along. Because, as I said, music is really um, 20 talent. But within that twenty percent, you have to have a lot of energy and a lot of um, commitment to your work as well. But Terminal is really going good. Um, we have a website, terminalcards.com, and we have a YouTube channel, Instagram. Um, getting very good reception from the music that we're putting out, and it's really just good. Just promote them and try to get a big, bigger audience for it. Mm. But 
It's going really, really good. There's always room for improvement in, in all the businesses, but um, we're actually at a good place and we're trying to get at a better place at the moment. Uh, so, what has Compre taught you that prepared you to take on these ventures? I think Herbert Martin was the foundation of all these adventures. Um, I learned that not focusing too much on the theory, um, which is which was actually the philosophy of Herbert Morrison, which is integrate practicality into all that we do. Um, I think I took that philosophy to heart and I really did not focus too much on the theories within school. I would I would say I was really a C student um, because I did not really take take um, the theory to heart. I didn't even study for most of my CXE exams. Um, I just really focused on what I knew and actually reverse engineer how education is, which is the pioneers for everything, the pioneers for all, the pioneers for all the subjects that we learn these days were practical people. And they documented what they did practically and then it's then re-delivered by teachers to students. So I I took the philosophy of the of the um of the pioneers and do all that I did from a practical approach. And I think that's what's really allowed me to excel um in the direction that I want to excel in life. So it's a lot slow, but I think the rewards are a lot greater in the end. So I think that Herbert Martin really that that philosophy in 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 all that I did and all that I'm doing right now. Alright. So how what how hard was it to get results from these ventures and any tips for people that are starting businesses and not getting any results? Um <laughs> getting results from all these ventures um, took a lot of years um, as I said NetTJ is a product of at least 17 years of work um, Terabit Records at this point is the, the product of at least 10 years of work we sold it for you is still a product of 17 years of work. Everything that been at this moment, um, the books that I did was a result of at least um, 13 years of work. I started writing when I was 12. So everything actually a compounded effort of experiences. And what a lot of entrepreneurs who have no experience in entrepreneurship and no experience in in, in the practical way of doing life, will realize is that there will be a, a huge learning curve um, when you're doing things from the entrepreneurial point of view. So I think resilience, resilience is what is really needed when you're really looking for efforts or return on your efforts. A return on your investments.
yeah. when 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 you're doing what you're doing because you might it might take five years to really get a real return on what you're doing. It might take three months, it might take ten years, it might take fifteen years. Um, as Meek Mill said, as a rapper, took him fifteen years to be known through rapping. Um, it took Jay Z, I think, a little bit both mm, five to nine years. It took Rick Ross same time as Meek Mill for him to start me. So yeah, you have to just a video where Rick Ross said it took. Is around 35 years. Around 35 was the first time he got paid for his song. He got actually paid for his song, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It took about yeah, it took about 15 to 15 to 25 years. So it's really all that. It's really just that. Um, I think one of my my brothers thought told me that in life you need four. Quotients. You need EQ, which is emotional intelligence, IQ, which is natural and raw intelligence. You need AQ, which is adversity quotient, learning to persevere and be resilient. And you need SQ, which is social intelligence. Um, social intelligence contributes to your network. Um, adversity quotient contributes to the management of stress and persevering through that stress. Um, natural intelligence is just being able to process information fast. And emotional intelligence is just the management of mental stress and getting yourself to that level of clarity that you need to actually persevere and with people. So those are usually the four main quotients for success. Yeah. And I think I mentioned that in the book that I'm writing now. So that is something that I think I hold close to me. And I think yeah. a lot of people need to know as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so high school students look into so they can be more prepared for life after high school. I think um, a lot of things that they need to really look into is just learning as much as possible. The, the internet is there, the books are there. Um, success, document their success. And that documentation should be looked at with a lot of detail so you can model. Because the thing is that if you're looking at it, if you, look, if you think about it, they already built the bridge. But there are many bridges, so you now have to find that bridge maker that you want to model and then follow their paths to success and just tailor it to your situation. So I think while they're balancing schoolwork, they need to ensure that they're balancing their habits as well to find that they, what they want in life and do the necessary research and development needed to actually propel them in the direction that they want to go in life. Yeah. All right. So, 
what are your personal tips for life and key life experiences that change what you believe? My personal tips is usually separated into um, tailored to men and women. Um, as a man, I can speak mostly towards being a man. Um, pain is what really make men grow. So if you try to avoid going through the painful aspects of life, you will limit yourself in growth. So you have to, I'm not saying that you need to find, go out there and seek the pain. Learn to manage it and learn to use it as fuel towards your next step. I think that is why exercise is a painful experience to men. And men who exercise a lot usually have better stress management, right? And do a lot of experiments know what you want and be stubborn stubborn towards what you want but never stubborn towards correctional um advice and just go for it as much as possible and just ensure that you you just focus on the four quotients towards success the eq the aq the sq and the iq so, what was the key life experiences now that changed what you believe or adjusted what you believe? Um, my last relationship taught me a lot in life. That was a key change of turning point. And it's really just um, the key... I think that failure in grade nine really changed my perspective as well. Working at Vistaprint yeah. also changed a lot of a lot of things that I believed in as well. So I can honestly say that I learned a lot from working at that company. And my first failure at that company was a big changing point for me as well. Where when I was, as I said, I wasn't with public speaking I was not good yeah. um, I was really really an introvert that had a, I would say I was not really good at speaking so um, when I went into the call center there was about 353 agents and I was ranked at about 50 within the first first six months so you can know that my grades were not really good yeah um, in the next six months I moved to 27 the other six months I moved to 17 and then I got promoted to a mix and uh, at the next department in that department I became the top agent as well so you can really see that level of Disappointment when, when, when you face disappointments and failures, if you're able to convert it, convert the, the, the failure into fuel, you can then, as a man, you can really push through the ranks and, and push towards success first. So the philosophy should be success is just an objective 
failure is an is a is a path needed for success. You must fail to be to be successful. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So, last question is: At any point, have you questioned what you are doing, and what did you do to get over that doubt? Ah, that's a daily. That's a daily thing. As a, as an entrepreneur, that's a daily thing. Um, that is uh, doubt in entrepreneurship is is a daily thing because as an entrepreneur, you're never guaranteed anything. And I think that is why a lot of people settle for a nine to five where they're guaranteed a paycheck. You will you will actually have weeks as an entrepreneur are months where you're going off your reserved cash and not really making income. So no, realize that there is nobody coming to rescue you. You just have to do it by yourself. So, um, Out again. Uh, here. I'm sorry, are you hearing me now? All right. Uh, yeah. So last thing, we left off was I said no one's going to in entrepreneurship. So yeah. 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 Humans, I was saying that no, no, well, you're an entrepreneur. Um, so it's just really, really just getting, 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 getting off your, your, your ass and just really putting in the work, um, marketing, networking, getting through the nose, getting through the obstacles, and just doing it because once you have an objective in life or you have a goal and you're obsessive with that goal you will then realize that it's your habits and not motivation because motivation is really a, is really like a red bull just gives you energy for a short period of time you must be committed to your objective and having that discipline, having that commitment towards those goals and objectives to really get so get that level of success so you don't really jump back into a nine to five and getting comfortable with life and at the end of the day you just have regrets and you'll be satisfied with yourself. So you must live a life according to what makes you happy and what makes you comfortable in your own skin. And once you know your why and once you are committed towards your why, you will then know what you need to do and get beyond that level of doubt. All right. So in terms of the last question. Mm -hmm.
So, you know, it's the last question. Thank you, Mr. Benefit. Free Mindset Podcast. Now, I can take this adventures and where people can reach you want more information or request your services. Yeah, man. So, it's really... You can WhatsApp me at 876-522-4689. Or you can just follow my pages. On and uh, once you follow NetitJ, you'll get a link to all the other businesses that I do. Through my link tree um, link. And uh, have a conversation at any given time on any one of those platforms. So. Can follow me with the J A for you. Ventures that I'm doing in partnership with one of my business partners, working on getting people overseas employed. We're still in the experimental phase, but maybe some just and try to build out their family structure through the reserve of income. So. You can always reach out to me and we'll talk from there. But it was a pleasure working with you, Colin. And thanks yeah, again man. for the opportunity. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Thanks, Yeah, you too. Yeah, man. Well, this is the end of the episode. Thanks for watching and look forward for the next episode. To support this podcast, go to anchor.fm slash cssb slash support or become a sponsor for this episode. If you have a product that you want to have more exposure, DM me on the Instagram page Reframing Mindset Podcast or on Twitter at Reframing P. Either way would help. Thank you regardless for, for listening and here's a preview for the next episode. Um, going to GC FASA, that is when I think I start learning really how to play basketball and how to coach basketball because of Coach Remicki. Um, he brings a level of professionalism to his coaching and to the game. Um, like, for example, if we're having a game at 5 o'clock, everybody should be on the court by 4, four o'clock shooting around, stuff like that, and he's rigid with time. It can't mean that um, 4 one you're tying up your shoes list or something to go on the court. You have to be on the court at 4 o'clock shooting shots before um, the game. Um, that is where I think I learned the game um, overall. Learned the, the nuance of the game. Learned how to play in a system, how systems work and stuff like that. I think Remicki was a big influence in me becoming a coach because of his level of